0: Hello and welcome to the Home Show podcast with me Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, the Home Renovation Programme Room to Improve ends this weekend on our television screens and the one and only Dermot Bannon joins me in studio. A collection of one-off handmade rugs designed by some of Ireland's leading artists are to be auctioned off for charity. We'll be chatting to the organisers. From planning to planting, we're starting our new Gardening Masterclass series with dear Gavin. And Jennifer Sheehan is back to talk about tiles and wallpaper to give your home a bit of pizzazz. You can join in the podcast by emailing us at newstalk.com. We talk a lot on this show and and a lot of the other programmes during the week on News Talk about housing, the price of housing and the unaffordability of housing. In fact, it's hard to believe sometimes that anybody can afford a house anywhere such is the cost involved. And if you have a look at any of the DAF.ie reports or the CSO statistics or the opposition politicians, you kind of despair for anyone trying to get on the housing ladder. So, what did you make of the revelation During the week that 360,000 homeowners claim their properties are worth less than the value placed on them by revenue or that a whopping 900,000 homes are valued at under 262,000 euros and a third of them are worth less than 200,000, putting them in the lowest tax band for local property tax. Was there a property slump we missed? God forbid another housing crash. I've been reading the papers, listening to the news for the past year and all I've heard is that prices are going up. So what's going on? Could it be, and far from me be it, to cast aspersions that the hundreds of thousands of people valuing their properties for tax purposes tend to have a different eye on the value than if they were doing it in front of an estate agent for selling? Or does it mean fantastic news for the beleaguered first-time buyers? I mean, if you were to borrow for a house worth 200000 dollars you'd only need a joint salary of 45000 dollars a year. Let me know what you think. Did you value your house properly? Or do you think you might have to have another swing at the sums? Now, the Home Renovation Series Room to Improve is back on our screens. In fact, it finishes uh, tomorrow and you cannot have missed it. You are probably watching it. You've probably been glued to the series. It's the fourteenth season, and it's lovable but frustrated architect Dermot Bannon joins me now, called the the House Whisperer. They're calling whisperer. you in the papers.
1: In Dermot. a lot of things. You're very welcome
0: <laughs> along to the home show. We're delighted to have you. Thank you. Fourteenth um, season, and it hasn't changed
1: much. No, well, I suppose why would it? Like, I, if you look at some of the. Like, say the bigger shows like Grand Designs and things like that, that's the one that you kind of try to emulate, isn't it? It's Kevin McLeod is just so brilliant. Uh, he is. but it hasn't changed. That is the exact same as it was on day one. And I think Look, at, 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 I suppose at the core of Room to Improve are human stories. It's it's people's journey um, through it. And like you can't really change that. Like because people, it, it, the, the programme will change itself. It will change with economic factors. Mm-hmm. It will change with the couple, with their situation, with the story. So there's enough of uh, I think there's enough of fluidity in, in in the people and the stories and what's happening and it's always reflecting what's going on in the wider economy as well like we so we had the pandemic we had the boom we had the crash we've had uh, builders uh, you know scrambling for work we've had builders too busy we've had price increases we've had stuff stuck in the Suez Canal like, over 14 years I suppose Room to Improve has always been you, uh, 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 I suppose reflecting what's going on in the wider construction and then people and people People's needs change and like that's dramatically changed over the last couple of years as working from home has become a good, a big thing and people's homes have become a massive thing. And even I was chatting yesterday, like when you think about it, like 20 years ago, people got a builder in, they put an extension onto the back of the house and it's, it's done you know, and they moved the kitchen out into the new extension. They got their new kitchen because that was the thing, getting the new kitchen. Yeah. And then they left a middle room in the, uh, in the house that everybody walked through and wasn't ever used again. Um, and it became <laughs> right. a big glorified corridor, yeah. really dark. And then you wandered through it and there might have been a couch at either end of it that nobody ever sat in. Set a glass double doors out to the brand new kitchen. And, yeah. uh, and, and we didn't really think about it. And I think what's happened over the last 20 years, I've seen in Ireland anyway, is like anybody now who's starting a project, immediately there's an Instagram page. Set up about it, you know. M- you know, my my that's, house. That's the, from
0: before the wedding.
1: <laughs> that's from before the wedding, but it is. It's like in my house in the country, or yeah. Bob and Sheila's uh, big plans. Like, and it's, which is great. Um, and nobody will now dream of building an extension without thinking about light, without mm. thinking about views, without mm. thinking about the flow, space, flow. All of the, which is honestly, it never happened before. You know, it's but from an architecture, from an architect's point of view. Is there
0: something, it's a bit like being a doctor. There's something about kind of being all knowing and all seeing and kind of giving the diagnosis and fixing the problem. Do you find that it can be, is it more helpful or more annoying to have people coming up to you with, I've researched this, I've looked at this, I've been checking this out here. I'm very firm on what I want here.
1: Oh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose there's two things in that. All the research and, and then that does help. And, 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 and you, well, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, because they can go off in tangents and they're lock, not looking in the right locations. But uh, the fact that they're engaging with it and they're trying to understand it and they are researching it, that kind of is half your battle. But people say, no, I know exactly what I want. And uh, unfortunately, there's a saying, it's, you want what you know. So they'll want what they've seen somebody else yeah, do before. Which is
0: the kitchen out in the box extension. Exactly. And <laughs> or
1: it could be now it's, it's, it's everywhere. So I, I was talking about the Instagram pages and all that. And I'm a massive fan of Instagram. and I love, But people now will, will screen grab it and they say, I want this. So the, like one of the biggest things in building and design and architecture is form follows function, right? So unless you solve the problems that they have going on for their existing house, their lives, everything, mm. it's not just a pretty picture. You know, it's kind of, for me, that's the equivalent of me going in uh, with a picture of, uh, I don't know, Ryan Gosling and saying... Can you make me look like that, please? You know, <laughs> we've all why been are you to laughing? the hairdresser, Dermot.
0: We've all been to the hairdresser. We've gone in with the Jennifer Aniston hairstyle yeah. and said, "I want that exactly." exactly.
1: So that's so. What I, I suppose people sometimes the the the, the 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 all kind of the knowing the research and all that only gets you down to certain one level, right? And then people say, "I just wanted to look like that," but I said, "What problem is that solving for you?" But I love those cabinets, yeah. You know, whereas I always say to yeah. people, start like it, 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 pictures and images are so accessible now for people. I just say just. Start with a a piece of paper and write out your problems. So, what do you hate about your house? No, and I mean like the really simple things like I bang my feet, my my shins off the bikes that are in the hall. Okay, so we need somewhere for the bikes. That's going to Mm. do far more for you than putting really lovely blue presses in the back. So,
0: it's like, how do you live? and exactly.
1: where do deal how to get not, through
0: your day and that's not the
1: glamorous bit of it no. that's a bit like no. you were talking about to the doctor that when the doctor goes through all your files and does all the notes that's not the that's not the you don't you won't see that on Eeyore. Or, or, yeah. or great anatomy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you'll see them running down the corridor saving lives and, you know, they'll have masks and everything coming out and, and drips and all yeah, and surgery. They're in surgery yeah. but, <laughs> but you won't see them filling out the report afterwards. You know, so yeah. the unsexy bit of architecture and design is research and, and actually making a proper brief and sitting and that's the most useful thing anybody mm-hmm. can ever do is actually find out what means something to them mm. and what means is, is a problem that you solve so if you've got something that really irritates about your house or, write it down and, or if there's things that you and then be realistic about it. people say oh I could love loads of, of kind of spare bedrooms well how many times do people stay over and actually when you count it up it's five nights of the year yeah
0: and you're so going to maybe build maybe what you need is a Murphy bed coming yeah, out of the walls
1: and, and especially and, and the big thing now for people working from home is uh, I think it, like we, we did a show uh, Incredible Homes we went to Scotland yeah. and we met a, a Scottish architect Richard Murphy and it was, like, honestly, it was like a, a light bulb moment for me because his house, he had all these pulleys and things and the whole house shut down during the winter. So he it was kind of like in an old Georgian house, he closed over all the shutters. Um, he, his roof lights shut down, the windows, he pulled over screens and he said, but like, Dermot, when I'm here um, in, in my house during the winter, like I go out to work at seven in the morning, I'm home at six in the evening. I never see my house in daylight until March. So... What I, when I come home, I want a, a cosy house. I don't want to be looking at these big black windows that have nothing on the other side of them. They're just reflecting back the coldness of the inside. So I close it all down and I light the, I, I light the fire. So it's, it's kind of, and then I say to people, well, if you're going to, during the winter, if you're working from home, Why And there's a lovely sunny sitting room at the front of the house. You're not using that when you're working from home. Why don't you set up your desk in there or find a clever way to cohabitate? So that when, and then at night time you go in there, you light the stove, you you, you close the curtains. It changes Why would you sit in the box room when you've got a gorgeous room downstairs and and you could be in that all day, just for want of a bit of design. Because we're just thinking about how you use the house and, and and what what can 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 cohabitate. You know, what things can happen at the same time, and 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 that will only happen when you write it on a piece of paper. You won't see that on Instagram.
0: Now, a lot of those I've, and the incredible homes in particular, because they are incredible homes, and they are far and away beyond the dreams and aspirations of most m- normal people i suppose and and maybe sometimes even on room to approve when the budget is 200,000 or 300,000 and i know mm. you're doing a full refit and a rebuild H- how do you kind of deal with accusations that it's not it's not for me you know it's not for the regular person this is an extraordinary event that that's happening with a huge budget especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis
1: yeah, it's like it's it's relative. Like, OK, you, you mentioned the figure there, 200,000, 300,000. Like a small building project is 200,000. Like I, there is no, people come and can you do something for 20,000? You can repaint a house, you can put in a new kitchen. But a kitchen alone is 15,000, 20,000 nowadays. So mm-hmm. like it, it, the costs of, and, and again, I suppose, on uh, especially on Room to Improve um, and, and in our practice, uh, I would never touch a house. Like there's no point, if anybody's doing a significant amount of work to their house, um, there's no point in, in leaving that house with a C rating or with, you know, even with a B rating. Like, we, we've got a massive job to do as a country and one of the biggest emitters of carbon is our, are our homes. So is there, is there, why would you spend 150000 on your house and, and still be left with uh, fossil fuel burning? Boiler, you know, so I suppose a lot of
0: that invisible money thing, though, isn't it? And people are like, I don't want to replace the rooftop, they don't, insulate the walls, it's boring.
1: But they also, the first thing that anybody says to me, oh, the house is freezing. Yeah. I want it to be warm and I want it to be future-proof. Again, that's not glamorous so it doesn't kind of make it into the show. So the budget, like I suppose 200,000 on, on an extension and refurb of an, ex- of an entire house. Is
0: that what you're looking at now?
1: For a well, proper like, uh, say an old kind of 1960s or 1970s yeah. house? Well, it depends. Like, like a, no, no, no. no. If, you're, if you're just renovating it without putting an extension onto it, you're still talking the kind of the guts of 50 or 60,000 of invisible money.
0: Construction inflation is a massive thing at the moment. Yes. And I know you've mentioned a lot of the reasons for it. And it seems to be insurmountable. Also, but do you think in Ireland we have a particular issue with it? Are, are we too tightly regulated? I, I know, and I don't want kind of that to sound wrong. Of course, we need the best buildings, and we're seeing now this national retrofit project, which is going to cost the taxpayer an absolute. Fortune for stuff that shouldn't have been built, and and I was look, built badly. Not
1: to be political about it, but we tend in construction is one of the only industries that we go boom bust, boom bust, boom bust. Right, and we don't um, we don't mind it. Um, so during the last uh, recession, um, most of the young talent upped at sticks and went to Canada. They went to Australia. We all hear the stories. Then the the economy comes back, and we're camped at Dublin Airport. We're looking for engineers, we're looking for architects, we're looking for block layers, we're looking for electricians. Mm. So now we, it looks like we may be heading into some kind of a recession this is when we need to start doing capital projects. This is when we need to start hanging on to the brains that we have. The incre- like, I, I do an awful lot with, with apprentices. Like, we need to mine them. We can't just put them through college and then send them off to Canada. Uh,
0: now, can you give us um, a little sneaky spoiler yes, alert I, for the final yeah. episode well, well, of you, Room to Improve? Well, coming to s- our screens to run out.
1: You did say, uh, you know, that, that some of the, the feedback on uh, is is about relatability. And, and so... Uh, I suppose there was a lot of that after the last series. Uh, is there anything a bit smaller? And I remember I went in to get my hair cut and I said to the guy who cuts my hair, I said, did you like the last series? Yeah, I did. But I'd, I'd like just to see a regular project. I'd like to see something <laughs> relatable was his yeah, word. Yeah. So we went after the most relatable house type in the country, which is the three bed semi in a housing estate where most people live. Mm. And we found a great one in Castlenock and they had, they wanted to turn it into something wow. They had a regular size garden. They had a small budget. Um, and so it's okay. a small budget in the average house. No views over a lake. No views over... No, no pergolas. No, huh? no, no pergola. pergola. <laughs> oh, there, are, there might be. Um, but, there, you know, there is, there is, there's always going to be a pergola. Um, but that,
0: that's your current fetish, is it? The pergola. You've moved on from the bath in the garden yeah, to there the are pergola. I love
1: pergolas at the moment <laughs> because it's just, it creates this lovely kind of bridge between the inside and outside. But anyway, but so this is a response to that. It's a okay. it's a project for the average person An in Ireland man who, lives, who lives in the average average house. They used to say the Ford Cortina man was the average person. (laughs) This is the Ford Cortina.
0: And finally, then let me ask you, your own home, I know there was the whole uh, revamp of it and restructure of it and you filmed all that. What's your favourite, your most treasured item in the home?
1: Ooh, Uh, well, the home for me is an envelope for the people who live in it and I did the project mm. because um, I did the project because it, it, we were too cramped in the previous house yeah. so we have space uh, we have space to be together we have space to be apart that sounds very covid but we did and uh, so the most treasured possession is I, I'm quite people say to me about homes and all that and would you move yeah I would I'd do another project I'm, I'm very clinical about uh, for me a building is all about people and how it facilitates life and connections meals sitting around relaxing so I love how a building can be the story of a life so for me the most important thing in my home are the people
0: Well that is a good lesson for us all and I think you're absolutely right Dermot Bannon thank you so much for taking time out and joining us on the Home Show this week Thanks Sinead You're listening to the Home Show podcast with me Sinead Ryan a collection of one-off handmade rugs designed by 12 of Ireland's leading artists, including Maser and Sean Scully, is on display to the public at the Hang Tough Gallery in Dublin. Until next Sunday, February the 5th, when the collection will be auctioned off with profits from the sale donated to the Peter Macfrey Trust and to support a regenerative wildlife project at the site of the Cadogan Studios in Dublin. Banno Bay in County Wexford. And here to tell me all about it and they have brought into studio one of the most beautiful looking rugs I've seen in a long time are Colm Kenny and Martina Navratilova, directors of Cadagon uh, Rugmakers. You're both very welcome to the
2: studio. Good morning, Sinead. Thank How you, you?
0: Sinead. Martina, I won't say the obvious but we'll be playing a little verbal tennis <laughs> <laughs> while you're here um, because you also hail from from uh, your uh namesakes country as well, the Czech, yes, Republic. Czech Republic. Tell me a little bit about how this project came about.
2: Well, we'd have, a, you know, a, almost yearly we'd work with, with an artist and produce some kind of a collection, usually a limited edition. We'd have a, quite a few of artists who would approach us as well. And um, we kind of thought, why not do a collective show? And, and uh, you know, we compiled a list of people we really wanted to work with and everybody basically said yes.
0: And I'm wondering, Martina, how difficult is it to translate from one art form to another, because a lot of these artists would be used to an easel and paint or in Maser's case, you know, spray paint or making yoga mats. Uh, what is that transition to, to rug making?
3: It uh, brings uh, kind of uh, some challenges but it's great in a way as well to be able to translate 12 different styles into a rogue. so I love it personally because my background would be artist and I'm one of the in-house designers as well the, there is another in-house designer Jenny that works with us so we kind of both got the artist and we brought them actually to our studio to show them the process that was very helpful I had a
0: look uh, on the website at this and of course you got uh, quite a few photographs in the press and that about this exhibition. And I was struck by how different each of the rugs were, but also how much of the artist is in the rug. Was the, were the individual artists kind of trying to stay true to form or were they trying to reimagine their own artwork on somebody's floor?
3: So there was a common theme, which is island, which is the name of the exhibition. So they kind of were responding to that. Um, and also we wanted them to be true to their own practice. So we wanted them to be recognisable in the design process. On the site, you
0: have a, a
3: live bidding
0: uh, facility because you're running this through White's uh, Auction House as well. Would you say that's something for every price point, maybe, if people if people are looking for an investment piece like this?
2: Hopefully, yeah. We've also, the one that we've brought in, we're actually going to... Um, hold a draw for that one so that was something we had in our minds that not everybody's in a position where they can afford to but we wanted to make one available so we're going to hold a draw for that on on Sunday after the auction has gone off um, and we'll announce the winner on the Monday morning
3: Tell us about the one you've brought in. So there's uh, two of them. It's a response to a pebble. So pebble, as it has two sides. So we did it with column. that I designed one side of the pebble and column designed the other one. So this one is for the ruffle, which is made from hemp wool. Mixture, and the other one that's for auction is actually using alpaca wool.
0: The proceeds uh, from this auction, this sale, are being split between the Peter MacFerry Trust, who I'm sure all our listeners will have heard of. But tell us about the regenerative project that the rest of the funds is going towards down in your in your Wexford home.
2: Yeah, no, the idea really is that we would. Um, produce some yarns that we could use, say, in future exhibitions like this on site. Uh, and as we were producing them, our focus would be the wildlife and the habitat that's around us because uh, our studios are actually based in a bird sanctuary. So it was something we took great pleasure in during all the lockdowns. We, we were so fortunate to have that around us mm. and we really felt coming out that it was something we wanted to give back to. We have access to some of the fields there and that we would move gradually in there with a fibre flock or perhaps some um, vegetable fibres either. Okay. But, you know that That was the idea of the experimentation. So, yeah. I mean, for now, what we would do is we would hope to collect enough fibre that we can send off and get processed. But down the line, long term, we're hoping to put a micro mill on site so that we can actually spin our own yarns and really just take full control of, you know, from start to finish of the
0: phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. And Martina, if people want to have a look at the gallery and or bid on it, wh- where can they go and what's the website?
3: Well, they can go on cadagon.ae or they can go on white's auctioneers as well, so they will find all the details. Great. It's and awesome. they can pop
0: down, I suppose, in person to the yeah. Tough Gallery, the which is down the road it's from Street. us here on Exchequer Street. All right. Well, Colum Kenny and Martina Navratilova, thank you so much uh, for bringing your beautiful creation into us and telling us all about that exhibition.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I should say, actually, as well, the, the draw will be, you know, you can buy tickets into the draw uh, on the website as well. It's on the Island Exhibition tab. So you can click in there and the entry is €20 just. Fantastic. Uh, All right. That'll be some
0: bargain for somebody now to get that.
2: Thanks guys for coming in. Thank you.
0: Now we're beginning our new fortnightly gardening series today on the program from planning to planting with garden designer Dermot Gavin. Dermot, you're very welcome uh, back into studio. Great right to be here. Lovely to see you. Now you've been very, very hard at work on our behalf, uh, going off and looking at all of these things and what you want to create. I think with this masterclass series is a sense of getting people to start thinking about their own space and what kind of designs that they would like.
4: Absolutely. And they might visualise and say, I know, I love that, or I saw this somewhere, or that was in a magazine or whatever, not understand what it was and not understand where it originated from and the reasons that it evolved over time, and also not understand whether it's suitable or not for their plot. Mm, so, mm. Gardens tend we know a lot more than we think we know about gardens in this part of the world, but they still tend to be a mystery to people. So we're going to try and have a nice romp through uh, the design of a garden, taking a plot, seeing it from thinking about it, right through to planting it up. Uh, And we start with this wonderful idea. Uh, at this time of the year of dreaming of what could be.
0: Yes, I know and it is fabulous and I know that lots of people me included when you go on holiday and you're in a beautiful sunny courtyard in the south of Spain or in Italian you know pond You feel you. you should <laughs> just take I,
4: could do, this. I exactly. could do this
0: in Clancilla or and you're Barnum thinking about
4: your Reiner luggage allowance <laughs> I and I, could know, I get one yeah. of those big Greek pots Oh
0: I know, I know Anyway, you are going to fix all that for us which is a good thing So take us through some of the styles then now the first one is the kind of the cottage garden. So am I thinking here the chocolate box kind of Middle England hollyhocks kind of thing? It's or it's
4: funny that you say chocolate box because this style was propagated or promoted through chocolate boxes.
0: Go away. Yeah,
4: yeah. So we're talking about the what what we would um Kind of romanticize as this lazy, beautiful version of a cacophony of colors, of very, very simple, hard landscaping, of winding pathways to kind of old wooden doorways under the eaves of attached cottage. So the cottage garden style is one that probably evolved in many different countries around the world, Ireland, as well as England, but became best known. The English, uh, British version became best known. And it would have been made by peasant farmers or their wives who really were just interested in, they were working for the landlord or, or whatever, all day out in the fields and in their own gardens they just wanted to grow the cabbage the spuds uh, uh, whatever Mm. but they'd put in a few slips of this that or or the other and a style evolved so all the plants you just uh, have mentioned there things like hollyhocks things like um, rambling roses things like little bits of of fuchsia um, whatever were stuck in wherever so there was no grand plan it was all about plants Mm. and because um, we have four distinct seasons this is really a Summer garden. Most of these plants, be they annuals, biennials, uh, shrubs, or, or whatever, so shrub like Philadelphia uh, or, or, or the roses would be midsummer mm. flowering. So it looks absolutely beautiful. It um, it became popular because people like, there was a woman called Gertrude Jekyll and she was an Edwardian lady. She was a, a kind of daughter of a well-to-do family. She was an artist. She was a joiner. She used to make furniture and, and whatever, It really as a hobby. She'd go into the National Gallery and she'd copy paintings by Turner uh, and then her eyesight began to go and... Driving in a horse and carriage around Surrey, around the country lands of Surrey, she used to look at these gardens and she realised that even though the eyes had gone for paint, it might not be gone for all these wonderful plants. So she began to paint with plants and she became a rock star in terms of (laughs) the world. So she and Beatrix Potter and then uh, later on a guy called Christopher Lloyd um, really made, took this style of planting and there was an Irish lad involved too, William Robinson, took this style of planting, naturalistic planting and um, they made either the cottage garden or the really grand new uh, vision of gardens with yeah. herbaceous
2: borders. And,
0: and people do love the idea of that, the little rockeries and the steps going down and kind of no green bins in the way or anything like that. It just looks really, really pretty and colourful. So that's the cottage garden and I think a lot of people would aspire to that. Maybe a little bit of work though involved in that. I a mean, lot
4: of work yeah. and an awful lot of reward. So you have to be very keen. You have to be very keen. You don't have to worry too much about the theory behind colours because it's a mix match. You can stuff anything Purple, in. And, and you, and you can achieve the really, really great thing about this uh, style of garden. You can achieve a huge amount of it on a budget. Now you do want open sunny situation. We'll talk about that n- next week. Okay. But from seeds and from cuttings, one of these chips, gardens chips. can be con- okay. created.
0: Now the other types we're looking at, the contemporary garden. Now wh- what do you mean by contemporary? Because to me that just means modern and up to date. And I'm thinking of you know hard paving and tiling and Block beds and decking, and is that is that really yeah, what we're that looking all, at?
4: That very all popular? Comes in so contemporary is the way we live now. Uh, in other words, people often confuse modern and contemporary, but contemporary is how we live now. Gardens are getting smaller. Often we will see our garden as a room outdoors. Yeah. So if you go and buy, uh, if you're lucky enough to buy or rent a property uh, that you'll be in for a while, you want to develop this plot. You will kind of have those folding doors, you'll, your windows or whatever will disappear. You'll want to match whatever paving is inside to outside.
0: So, your eye line is drawn all the way through absolutely. and you have that kind of, that, that sense of, of that kind A of... Contin- continuity,
4: the windows. flow from oh. indoor to out.
0: Especially if you want to derm balance windows. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, another one is the Oriental Garden. Now... I, listen, obviously the proponent of this is the beautiful, beautiful Japanese gardens. You know, those kind of little tinkling brooks and bridges going over them
4: and swans elegantly down. All of that. And that that does come from the Orient. And we're very lucky we can grow an awful lot of the plants. So things like bamboos and the uh, uh, really amazing Oriental maples that we can grow. But the funny thing Mm -hmm. is that Japanese garden that's International Stud down in in, uh, County Kildare, Mm -hmm. uh, that was, it, it identifies one of the problems with creating an oriental uh, garden. It was built by an English colonel or something, a major from the army or something like that. He'd been on his travels. He'd seen these gardens in situ. He brought all the ornamentation and brought indeed a few gardeners over from Japan. And he created this magnificent, or what he thought was magnificent garden anyway. And he invited the British ambassador, the sorry, the uh, Japanese ambassador to Ireland and Britain to come and lodge it. And the Japanese ambassador took a look at the crowds that were gathered uh, around this garden and he took a look at the garden and looked at the crowds again and he said, what am I going to say here now? And he said, we have nothing like this in Japan. And oh. the crowds went mad.
0: <laughs> they, <laughs> they thought it was a compliment. There's,
4: yes. So you can't <laughs> ape them. You can't. We can't really understand the reasons behind their aggression. There is so much of, uh, involved. They originated this style of garden in China. Then the, the, the Japanese gardeners took it, kind of perfected it. It's all about to do with perfecting nature, which of course we can't do. Either.
0: Which we can't do. But also you get that sense of, I think what's in my head is serenity and the Little chimes, and you know, that kind of peacefulness that you associate with
4: my neighbours. Have one uh, well, Tom and Evelyn, if you're missing, I'm going to say this now. They've one of those chimes, and it drives me bloody mad. They
0: are marmite, aren't they? People don't <laughs> they like to have them, but they don't like hearing them over
4: the garden wall. <laughs> we,
0: that is definitely an issue for another day. We'll have a sound psychologist <laughs> on the show, maybe to talk about that. <laughs> now, the other two I want to talk to you about briefly, uh, Dermot, because I know that these are the ones that people absolutely love, the Italian-type gardens. So the
4: Italian, and for Italian, let's just think European, those formal-type gardens. Yeah, the ones you see
0: in in Spain and Italy and France.
4: uh, Absolutely magnificent. But this is the ultimate control over nature. So we think for some of these Baroque uh, creations, we think uh, Le Le Nôtre at Versailles. uh, It is chopping plants and shaping plants to within an inch of their life to create patterns and parterres. It's often about taming hillsides and it's creating good bones of the garden. So an awful lot of them are very green. A lot of them will have terracotta pots, sometimes with lemon trees we talked about the last time I was in. Um, and it's about showing that man is more powerful. It's also gardening as a high art. So yeah. Versailles are um, the Gardens of Tip uh, the, uh,
0: beautifully formal the, perfect art actually Hampton Court Palace even has, has that kind of elements of, of it. it so yeah.
4: from Petersburg through Holland through the Flemish Gardens all the way over to here it's European formality
0: now I was lucky enough uh, last summer to be in Granada for a while and uh, because that has that Moorish
4: uh, oh the Is- Arab- Islamic the Islamic, gardens, Islamic art the Alhambra. Uh, and
0: the Alhambra and the palaces and all of that because of that influence uh The gardens were absolutely stunning and perfect.
4: Absolutely Hundreds
0: perfect. and hundreds of years later. Hundreds
4: perfect. and hundreds of years later. Mind you, all of these gardens including Versailles are recreations of the original because they've all plants die out and whatever. And gardens get disregarded over time and that's certainly um, the gardens of the uh, the Alhambra, the whole palace there was a place for uh, kind of uh, early 19th century lager allowed drinking. Uh, <laughs> so it was completely abandoned. Not it has that been, now. It's not that yeah. now and you have the Court of the Lions and whatever. The Islamic garden style from Pakistan, from Iraq, from Syria, from wherever. Different versions of it right throughout uh, that part of the world. Absolutely beautiful, based on kind of mathematics, on symmetry, on control. And it's very, very, very beautiful. Huge amount of water um, and... It's that idea of the oasis in the desert. However, it's meant to be very humble. It's meant to be gardens that are behind walls that um, are symbolise the afterlife.
0: Indeed, all right. Well, listen, dear Gavin, that is a fantastic insight, actually, into the history and the thinking behind. where gardening styles come from and that informs you as a professional gardener and landscaper but also regular people who may not realise where they're getting their ideas from uh, to have a look. So if any of you out there have an idea of what you'd like in a garden or what kind of idea you'd kind of think for your own space irrespective of where it is uh, do get in touch with us send us in photographs if you want to the home show at newstalk.com we're going to show them to Dermot Gavin we're going to talk about gardens if you have any questions on how to recreate or re-establish or reignite your garden do get them into us And Dermot I'll put
4: all these examples of all these styles on my Instagram uh, Instagram which yeah. is at Dermot Gavin at, at Dermot Gavin Can I say one other thing Sure The Garden and Landscape Designers Association who are a great association of uh, Brilliant Gardens I think you've had them uh, in, in here their Instagram was hacked just before they're about to have their annual seminar so they're at GLDA underscore Ireland right. if anybody wants to find out about their seminar
0: and have a look at it okay that's fantastic you're going to be back in two weeks that's actually the 11th of February
4: and this is where we get mucky it's all about soil and aspect and deciding oh understanding gosh. your plot okay. OK, because you
0: have to do the hard bits before you get to the fancy bits, isn't Absolutely. that right? All right, yeah. dear McGavin, thanks a million. You're very good uh, for coming into us. You're listening to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. And you're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Now, earlier in the show, of course, uh, Dermot Gavin was here talking about his uh, masterclass that he's going to be giving us over the next few weeks and all the different types of gardens. And I must say, it kind of sent me off in a little bit of a holiday about the nicest gardens I've ever seen while I was abroad. Uh, but you are very welcome back to the last segment of the Home Show podcast. And I'm delighted to welcome back in studio, as ever, uh, home former Home of the Year winner, no problems with design there, uh, Jennifer. She and you're very welcome along to the show. Delighted to be here, and you're going to be talking to us a little bit about Wonder Walls. But let me know first. How's your January gone? Are you glad it's almost over? Oh, it's still going. I know. Can it's you still believe January. It? It's been three years and it's still January. It's nearly over. It's nearly <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's a grand. It's been fine. It's fine. It okay. Is what it is. Now lots of people shaking up things with the new year and into the new year we want to do things a little bit different, maybe it's a little bit easier now, although I'm not sure it is to get tradespeople, but it is certainly easier to get around the shops and buy all that we need and start envisaging different ways of living. And one of those, of course, is to shake up the old walls. Now, wallpaper is one of those things. It goes in and out of fashion quicker, I think, than probably any other interiors product. And yeah. It's had its moments and then it's been banished from every room where are you and your relationship with wallpaper?
5: Love it. Obsessed. I think it never goes out of fashion. I really, like, I know it does go through phases of it's everywhere. And I think we were cursed in Ireland a couple of decades ago with just terrible wallpaper and lack, lack of options. But... I think it's back. I think it's here to stay. hours and going the and the <laughs> granny's living room and that. Weird geometric <laughs> patterns. I'm all for geometric patterns but weird ones and there wasn't much choice. It was impossible to put up. It was harder to get down. None of that's relevant anymore and actually you mentioned tradespeople. You don't really need a tradesperson if you're and in any way handy and able. We say this. It's easier I'm... now. It's easier now. Okay. So okay. we'll get to it but you can paste the wall now. Some genius somewhere figured out that if you have a whole big sticky roll of wallpaper that you're trying to plaster up against a wall. Yeah. You will mummify yourself ultimately. <laughs> but what they've come up with now is a paste that you apply directly to the wall and then you stick the wallpaper on it, which, I mean, it's genius when you think about it, but that's that's key. That's what you need to look for. Okay.
0: So start with some of your... Tips now uh, in terms of what to look for and what to plan for, because like anything else, the choice is mind boggling. Yeah, and yeah, if it's so your first time there? and you're you have a magnolia wall up there and you want to put up some wallpaper, color then is going to be your your start, isn't it?
5: Yeah, yeah. So color is a big one. So first of all as with everything, think about what it is that your room needs, right? So do you need a bright, uplifting pop of colour that might be good in kind of maybe a busier space like a living room or if it's a smaller space that you're not in very much. You all know I love a downstairs bathroom. You can go absolutely wild in there if that's what you want to do or your laundry room or whatever which I did. Or is it a bedroom? Is it a calming colour? Is it something that you want to kind of bring in to relax the space a little bit? So just think about what the space needs first of all. Okay. And then critical I think if especially if you're thinking about a change if you know if this isn't kind of decorating a room from scratch is it going to be the focal point is that wallpaper going to be something that you're bringing in for everyone to concentrate on and this is really going to be the key piece in the room or do you already have a focal point? Do you already have, you know, a really loud couch or something already very dramatic and this is something that needs to be brought in to support that and yeah, it's more like pattern layering. Yeah, because you don't the colour and the texture fighting with whatever's in the room. Yeah. Now, if you're a maximalist and you're skilled at putting these all together, <laughs> go for it. But in general... It's best to pick one focal point in the room and, and then decide whether this is supporting that. or OK, this is going and you to want that,
0: that to, to to kind of support that or, or to become yeah. th- your new point that you see. And I suppose when people then only wallpaper a feature wall or maybe an alcove, that's what they're going for, isn't yeah. it? They want people's eyes to be drawn to it straight away.
5: Yeah, so maybe it does become the focus. Maybe it is something really loud and really bright and then you pick up. You know, you, you go. You lean into that. You go for the more vibrant colour. You you don't hold back on the pattern. You go for whatever you want, but just make sure that other things
0: that are already in the room then are not competing with that. Now, of course, with the colour then comes, I suppose, which is a new emanation in wallpaper. Although there was the old fleck and the flock was around a long time ago in <laughs> maybe in Victorian times, but the texture of yeah. the wallpaper, you can get everything. I mean, you can get linen feel, um yeah. you can get velvet. a velvet, uh, the metal, yeah. uh, the kind of yeah. the gilt, the golden. Yeah. So uh, when is, you're going to say never, but when is too much, too much?
5: <laughs> I mean, do you want like furry walls? Probably not. It depends <laughs> okay. again on the room. But, you know, texture is really important because there's so much you can bring in. And even if you don't want to bring in colour or if you don't necessarily want to bring in a pattern, but the room needs something, Texture is such an amazing way to bring that in, so I, I love that I did that in my upstairs bathroom with the metallic sheen that you're talking mm-hmm. about, where i didn 't want to change the color i didn 't want to add a color, but I wanted to bring in some texture, so I have a nice, very muted kind of a rose gold metallicy print on on mine, which is which sounds loud and sounds dramatic, but actually it isn't no that it doesn't
0: it sounds beautiful because I think that that gives a lovely sheen to your yeah. wall and and especially if you've clever lighting. Yes, it, it really reflects, off, it, doesn't it? Yeah,
5: it does. It does. So it's something you can bring in if you're afraid of wallpaper because you don't want to, you know, complicate things with more colours or more patterns. Texture is such a great thing to look at. And there's, you know, there's loads of beautiful fabrics. Silk, if you're rolling in it you can get silk wallpaper it's beautiful
0: OK so top tips then is uh, find the ones where you paste the wall instead of the paste <laughs> the wall the paste the wall. <laughs> the wall if I leave you with one thing today paste the wall wallpaper <laughs> right, okay, good tip Yeah. Uh, now you do have to be a bit careful because if you're matching up especially if you have anything geometric or somewhere you have to match it up side by yeah. side you're going to have a bit of wastage but it's it's important to get that right isn't yeah,
5: it? Yeah so there's loads of wallpaper calculators out there so take the measurements of your wall and make sure that um, you're buying enough wallpaper add about 10% for that pattern matching so that's where you have one roll beside another roll to cover the whole wall and you need to make sure that you know the flowers are lined up or the geometric pattern is lined up so about 10% for that and then add another 10% again because you're going to make a mistake somewhere so just be sure
0: that you have okay, enough another 10% to, enough bang <laughs> to bang your head off to
5: bang your head and as well if you want to replace it maybe just enough for one more roll if you know your child draws a, a beautiful present of a painting for you or something like
0: that with crayons on your wall something that you can replace it All right, it's easy okay, to replace. fantastic tips there Now, one of the other things, of course, which is popular in every home and indeed necessary in in lots of homes is the whole area of tiling. And I'm thinking particularly of things like splashbacks or, you know, even tiling that you have on on, uh, bathroom floors and things like that. So talk to me now about how people should go about selecting, again, a huge array yeah. of options.
5: Yeah, millions of options. The same applies really. So what colour, you know, is it, is it going to be your focal point or not? Is it supporting or not? With pattern, it's a personal preference. There's no real rules, but in general, I would say large tiles in large spaces, small tiles in small p- spaces. And feel free to mix the patterns. So if you've got big block bold colours on your walls you know maybe go for smaller tiles to have a nice contrast um, go with the theme if you're you know minimalist and paired back house then a nice stacked or brick effect pattern is lovely if you're a nice rustic farmhouse that modular look where it's a mix of all different shapes and sizes and it looks very very original very classic and um, or if you're, you know, maximalist or, or you like something a bit more bold, herringbone, parquet, basket weave, subway tiles. There's a million different shapes and sizes you can go for. One thing I really, really love um, with, with what you can do with tiles in particular is grout. I'm, I feel very strongly about this. So if you're thinking of a bit of a refresh. You can get all different colours you now. You can get all different rather colours. Rather than just the white. Yeah, yeah. So I saw, I was down in Kilkenny at the, the cat, uh, not the Cat Lofts the other one that goes on, David McWilliams, (laughs) Kilconomics. And I was in a lovely cafe down there, I can't remember the name, but they had these gorgeous white tiles, very plain white tiles, with a yellow grout in between (gasps) it. And what a way, if you're on a budget, what a way to just get, you know, the plainest tiles available, the, the most affordable tiles available, and then just, Wow, factor it with some coloured grout in between it. I really thought that was so clever. It looked brilliant. Brave. Mm, Very brave. Very, very (laughs) brave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, listen, that is a a great insight. And we'll have you back at another time to talk maybe more about different types of tiling and how to manage all that. Uh, Grout, coloured grout. Would you do it, folks? Let us know. 53106. (laughs) All right. Jennifer, as always, uh, thanks for that. And lots of inspo on your Instagram site. At worker's cottage. If you have any more questions. As always. Okay. And that is all we have time for this week. So my thanks. thanks to Jennifer Sheehan and indeed all of our guests uh, that we've had on uh, the show. I hope there was something in it for one, something for everybody in the audience as they say. And if you'd like to get involved in the show, maybe a question or a query and remember to get those queries into Dear McGavin, particularly uh, for his next time on the show, then you can do so by emailing us at any stage during the week to the home show at newstalk.com or you can text us here at 53106 that'll cost you 30 cent. I'm over on Instagram uh, at Sinead Ryan and you'll find me there and I know lots of people send in tips and queries and lots of photographs as well. Sure, I love nosing inside your house. Do send them to me. Thanks to Eva Breen producing today, Stephen McLuhan is on sound and Peter Malloy.